hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. God told Abraham, he said, I want you to leave the area that you're in. Abraham had it comfortable. Abraham was from a good family. His family was a pagan family, but they were wealthy. They had stuff. Abraham didn't hurt. He was from a, a place of comfort. He was kind of like the, the family was very well known in the community, very well known in the region. So he kind of had it all together. So the, for God to call Abraham and say, Abram, I want you to come out from, out from, out from your family's home place, your hometown, and I want you to begin to go to a place that you really don't know what it's going to look like until you get there. So Abraham comes stepping outside and God's speaking to him. And as God begins to speak to Abraham, Abraham's looking around going, he looks back and he looks at his home place, his mom, his dad, pillars of society, pillars of community. Abraham's kind of well known. He's looking back and he's got this voice that's telling him that that's the Lord showing him a direction to go, but he doesn't have a clue what the direction, where it's going to take him. He just has to be confident in a voice that says, let's go without ever knowing what the land or the city is going to look like until you get there. That's a scary place. A scary place when you have comfort back here, and you have notoriety here, everybody knows you here, and you can work within the boundaries that really have already been established and set up for you by previous generations. So it's comfortable. It's safe. It's somebody else has created your security. And you're secure in an environment where... This is awesome, man. I thank God for what dad and mom and grandparents did. And I thank God that they happen to know the guy that I'm working for now. I thank God that, that people know me as, as a kid. And now I'm, I've turned into a young man and I've kind of grown up here. It, it's kind of, it works well. I, I know the educational system because I was educated here. Uh, I kind of, I can go to the local grocery store and people know me. I can go to the local department store. People know me and, and, and it's good. And I thank God for it. I'm secure in what somebody else has created. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a good place to be. Many people are looking for security even if somebody else did create it. The challenge is, is when God called him out to step, he steps out to a place and he looks back and now he has a comparison. He's looking between two places. One, he doesn't know what looks like until he gets there. The other one, he can tell you by the, like the back of his hand every aspect of the community. One is... I know how this works. I can storyboard it. It's predictable. I know what I get when I get it. I, 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 it's, there's no surprises. But here is a whole element of a future that I'm supposed to go towards, and I'll know it when I get there. And God said, you're going to look for a city where the builder of all the foundation of that city is God. You'll know it when you get there but you won't know it until you get there. So Abram gets up, gets his little, his little family together that he has, some livestock together, and he begins to move towards a place that's abstract. Even though it, it, it exists in reality somewhere, it's still a concept or an abstract idea, a thought, a dream, a vision that hasn't materialized in Abram's life. That's a tough place to be. Can you imagine God calling you from a secure environment to a place that's truly a place that you really 
haven't been able to put your feet on, called you to an idea, a concept, a dream, a venture, something that's out here that's so contradicting to the security that you feel right here. And you're going to bring people with you. So the people that are close to you are going to have to buy into your venture. They're going to have to buy into your dream. They're going to have to buy into your idea when there's no proof of it even exists other than I heard a voice from heaven that told me I need to go after this thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been there? A place in life where you have to take a step away from security into a place that you have no idea what it really looks like or if it really does exist other than a dream and how you're going to get there and the sacrifice it's going to take between here and there. The ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the arounds and the circles and the discouragement and the encouragement. People talking, people talking about you. People talking about you. Am I good? People talk. Can you hear me? Am I okay? Am I back on now? Rewind that last part. Tell me what I just said. People want to talk about you, right? People are going to say things that he's a dreamer, she's a dreamer. What are they thinking? Your family, even that are close to you, are going to say, are you crazy? You have it made here. We have already mapped out a plan, just like we have for others in, our gener- in your generation. We've got a plan mapped out for you, for you to get this thing going. And you're going to abandon it all, risk it all, for a place you don't even know what is, because you heard a voice, you heard a direction to go. So Abraham takes his family, and he begins to go and move towards this voice, move towards this place that he doesn't know what exists. Now, I'm going to fast forward for just a moment because I want to tell you where I'm getting. Abram get to the place where God, the same voice that told him to step out of that place he was in from his family, he's now moving towards a place after fighting with people, having some setbacks, some surprises, all these elements of surprise that were happening. He comes now to a place where that same voice that told him to step out comes to him and says, Abraham, you're going to have all these, 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 these stars that you see are going to be your descendants. Now I'm going to show you a little more detail of this plan that I had back here. Now Abraham didn't have the details of the plan before he stepped out. They, become, they come unfolding as you go towards the plan. You hear what I'm saying? It would be nice to get it all blueprinted and mapped out for you here. But I'm learning from the Lord in my life, and probably you too, that as you go towards the plan, you don't ever get all the details before you take your step. He gives you a direction, and you go towards it, and then you have to be able to step towards the thing, and then as you go, things begin to 
materialize to show you how this thing's going to play out and what you have to adjust to make it play out. So he comes to this place, further along in his journey, God says, you're going to have a son. And out of your son, you're going to be able to be blessed because that promise that I'm going to make with all these generations of people down the, from generation to generation is going to come through your son, Isaac. He's going to be the promise. And it's going to come through Sarah, your wife. You all know the story well. Abraham, the Bible says, his flesh was dead. It wasn't happening. Sarah's womb was pretty much closed up. She was up in age. So they're looking at each other going, there's no way, physically, this can materialize. So you mean to tell me I left out of a place of comfort and security? I stepped out of a way where, you, where, where things were okay, and now I have to move towards, and now you've got me out here on a limb where I've already cut in all the, uh, the bridges and burned all the bridges, and I've cut all the, the ropes and the ties that I have back here, and I've forfeited a lot of that plan, and now I'm out here, and now you're going to come to me and tell me that you're going to do something in my life and bring it to pass a promise in my life that physically it's impossible for it to happen. The Lord will take you into a place in your life and give you a promise, whether it's a promise today or a promise he's already given you and you haven't seen come to pass. He will bring you into a place where you cannot physically, by your flesh, make it happen. And if your flesh can make it happen, then the best it'll ever be is as good as you can make it. So Abram was here. All the odds were against him. There's no way this could happen. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you're trying to pursue, go forward based on a drive that you have on the inside of you, and there's no way physically you can see it happen, and you sit down and you map out your best plan, and even your best plan is not going to make it work for you? And then... God somehow brings somebody across your path that seems to be, this is the way. And then the person on the journey kind of stops in mid-range, and you're now going, I, th I, thought, I thought that was it, and then they stop. Or the process gets blocked up, or stopped up, or delayed. And you go, oh my God, I thought that was it. So all your hope goes from being in the Lord towards the avenue or the process you think of which is going to come to pass. You ever been there? You ever been to a place where you thought, God, you're opening up a door right here, man. I see it. This is, must be the way. And he brings you, and it's almost like he's throwing you a bone. And then he throws you a bone, and you're there, and you're going, I thought this was it. And you're going, man, no. He didn't want you to put more confidence in the bone than you put in him. He didn't want you to put more confidence in the process and your ability to work the process than him. He's wanting to do something in your life and my life that's so supernatural that you couldn't take credit for it if you tried. Have you ever had a blessing in your life from the Lord and he does something and he almost like a surprise to you and all of a sudden you do it, it happens, and you know and, and, and he knows and you know you had zero to do with that? Anybody know what I'm, what I'm talking about? where he just, out of the blue, just bombards you with a blessing and something happens and you go, oh my God. And the first thing we do when we get to that place is we say, we start evaluating what I do right so I can repeat that behavior 
so I can get him to do that again. God, I, okay, if I can just master what I did. So you start replaying what you did the days before, weeks before, that got the blessing to come to you so you can rehearse it so you can get it down in your repertoire as you communicate with God because you know that worked before. And the Lord says, that's not the repertoire because I didn't do it because of you. I did it in spite of you. I did it because of me. The Lord is overlooking his word in your life to perform it. And you are the subject of that word, but you're not going to cause him to, to not have it, have it come to pass in, in your life. His flesh was dead. She couldn't have kids. Impossible. See, the Lord is moving us into a place, not just us, but the body of Christ, into a level of maturity where he can bless us, where he can open those doors and, and move our, and navigate us through the plan and the journey of life that he has for us. And us be patient enough to let him do it, but not be lazy enough to sit on the couch and do nothing. You have to apply yourself, but look for the supernatural. You have to wake up every morning and look. Wake up every morning and be diligent. Wake up every morning and go to bed every morning. And and you're constantly moving towards a city where you don't know what it looks like in reality, only in your mind, in your heart. But when you get there, you'll know it when you see it. That was Abraham. That was his whole story. And you know the story. Abraham... Supernaturally, God opens up her womb. They have a baby. They have a child named Isaac, and the promise is going to come through Isaac. And then God tells Abraham a little later, he says, Abraham, I want you to do something. Now that the, ba- the, the child is a, is a teenager, I want you to take the child, your only son, even though he had two. He had it from, by, by another lady, and it's a whole other sermon. He brought Isaac up, and he said, I want, to take, I want you to take Isaac up to the mountain, and I want you to worship the Lord and offer your son as a sacrifice. Now here's a guy that has a history of this. I'm going to come out here from a place I don't even know what it looks like out there. I'm going to leave comfort and security to go towards that place. And God along the way reveals himself and how he thinks to Abraham in such a way that the promise of Isaac comes to pass And now that the supernatural promise of Isaac has come to pass, Abraham is so secure, his new security is no longer in his, where he came from. His new security is in his revelation and experience with God doing supernatural things in his life. So the measuring stick is not what other people created for him. It's now what God has created for him in his own walk with God. And as you journey on, and as we journey on, I'm going to be, I'll prophesy to you, you're not going to be able to rely on other people's revelation of who Jesus is. I can have a revelation and share that revelation with you, but unless you have your own experience and your own revelation, your own opening of your own eyes, your own testimonies, 
And until that happens to you, you're going to have to walk through life blinded. But God wants to reveal himself and unveil himself to every single person, not as a matter of secondhand information, but as firsthand information. Some of you are going to be called to walk away from a secured environment, really secure, something that you've already known all your life and it felt good. You've already learned how to manage within the system that you've lived in in the past. You, you know how it works. You know how they think. You know what you can get away with. You know what doesn't work. You know the provision needed. You, you just kind of know God's going to pull you outside of that realm of, of, of life so he can show you a deeper walk and relationship with him. It'll put you in timing with him to where you learn that it's not a matter of how much you can manipulate the system or the process. It's a matter of how much you can tend to him, worship him, minister to him in your daily life as he pours out his blessing all along. Everything that happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the, the, the disappointments, the encouragements, the successes, all those things are leading you to a place, to a city, a, a foundation, where the city, the builder and the maker is God. A place that he placed in your heart and your mind before you even know how to even get there. And you're going to get there. Your own relationship with him. Your own testimony with him. That way somebody can tell you that, no, I don't think that's the Lord. And you're going to say, here's the thing. I appreciate your knowing that's not the Lord. But I know the Lord too. And the Lord speaks to me. And I appreciate that, but it has to be a confirmation to what's already in here. It can't be just direction coming from the outside. You need direction from the inside and confirmation from the outside. And he'll put it inside of you in a dream. And I don't mean just like a, a night dream where you're laying there asleep. I'm talking about something that just aches within your heart where you're looking at people around you or life around you and you see a problem that needs a solution. You see issues of life that need attention. And the more you see those things, the more he will create in you a drive to look towards that solution, even though you don't know what that solution looks like. And if you see those problems, you see those issues, it is something the Lord's placing inside of your heart to be a part of the overall solution for that. Right? Now, what if I told you, before we go to Isaiah 54, and I'll close in that scripture, what if I told you that Abram had to leave a secured environment, step out into a place, he didn't know what it looked like, and risk losing it all and look like a fool? That was Abram. But along the journey, God was working some things out of him, revealing himself to Abram, and then finally, through a supernatural event, Abraham was able to see that this walk with God is not a natural walk. It's a supernatural walk that just happens to be carried out down here. And if you don't know how to trust him when things aren't working, it gets frustrating. And if you're not careful, you'll start trying to do things on your own like Abram did and going out and getting another woman because he thought his wife can't have kids. We'll have to have, go over and have a, a handmaid and get one. So they have a baby by somebody else that was premature. So he puts, his, puts a, a plan in motion himself and really gets out of the will of the Lord for the moment. 
because he thought, well, I'll just help God along. When God brings you a blessing, listen to this, he will not add any sorrow to it. It'll, there'll never be a but, however, or although. It's a blessing. And the blessing of the Lord adds no sorrow to your life. It's just locked and lodged inside. And that's what Abraham was starting to experience in his journey. Now, as I bring Abraham's story fast forwarded to us in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and into the, the next decade, I want you to think about something. Knowing that we can manage church, we can manage our own life. We can do the adding and subtracting and the multiplication and division in your, in your finances. You can work out and get yourself in really good shape. And th those are all wonderful things that we need to do and be diligent and, and, and prudent in all that we do. But a life that's absent of a supernatural awareness is really a limited life, right? So God placed you and me and us here in the world in 2017 in the times that we're living in and the problems of society and the issues of life can't be fixed by a smart person, a better social program, a better government-ran program, even just less taxes and less regulations. All those, do, all those, do, do, all those facilitate growth and free and responsibility. Excellent approach. But... In 2015, in the state of West Virginia, there were 5,000 recorded deaths by cancer. 5,000 deaths in 2015 of people that had cancer. Almost 5,000, which is number two in the state of West Virginia in 2015, really neck and neck with cancer, another close to 5,000, was heart disease. Then you drop down to about 2,000, 2,300. This is all from the health statistics of the state of West Virginia. 2,200, 2,300, under 2,500. People that have respiratory or lung issues passed away with lung-related issues. Right underneath that is accidental deaths. That's car accidents, drug overdoses, those would be all those, what they would consider accidental. Those were, in 2015, were about 15 or 1,600. In the last 24 months, that accidental death is pushing the 2,000 mark across the state of West Virginia. Might be slightly above 2,000 right now. So you've got 2,000 or a little above in accidental deaths. You've got 2,500 and such in pulmonary deaths, related deaths, blood disease pushing 5,000, and cancer pushing 5,000. But I don't hear the church looking at those things, especially at those couple top-tier 5,000 markers. I don't see the church looking at those things going, man, I need to give my money 
to a foundation or something that's doing research for cancer. I don't see anybody other than just when a pledge comes through, when a, the Heart, American Heart Association or something comes to, to pa, to, on a fundraiser that will donate a dollar after we're leaving and checking out at Walgreens towards that event. Or, or McDonald's when they go through. 5,000 in the state of West Virginia are those top two tiers. Believe it or not, the divorce rate across America is not increasing like it did the last decade. It's flat. Because people living together now, they're not getting married. Right? But it's flat. But the church will put all kinds of programs in place, to, our resources to try to you know, combat a lot of what we think is what we would consider not prudent. Okay? I'm not indicting the church. I'm just telling you that I'm going to show you an Abraham vision. So we put a program, partner with the government's program, or another nonprofit program to try to gather resources so we can be a grassroots environment to stop a lot of what we're seeing. So the drug epidemic is obviously on an increase. No question. And there was 2,000, probably slightly above 2,000 people died in 2016 over accidental deaths of overdoses. But you got 5,000 people dying of cancer, 5,000 people dying of heart disease, 2,500 people dying of pulmonary disease. Where's the cry for that? So we go to the government because this one's facing us in front. We want resources and money to help this immediate, whatever that immediate need looks like. And I'm going to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord, it's a trick to keep us where Abraham was when he had not yet had a counter with a supernatural God. It was to get us at the table to figure out in our own humanistic approach to life of how we can combat a problem that can really only be combated by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So the church has jumped into the social wagon of all of the programming to try to combat all of those tears I just mentioned to help people that are hurting. And we should reach out, and we should, but we should never limit ourselves to only trying to figure out how to do this absent of the supernatural moment with God. When the church starts relying more on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and less on our means of understanding a practical solution, we'll see a turn in the tide. But as long as we're chasing the dollars of what the federal government wants to push our way, 
so we can incorporate into our programming that gives us a self-purpose, we're doing exactly what Abraham did back here, and that's create a secured environment for us to be able to manage a lot of dysfunction and a lot of programming without ever having to step out and say, Abraham, I want you to go to a city that you don't know what it looks like, and I want you to step out and go towards that thing, whether you know what it looks like or not, can you trust me? And can you trust me as you step out towards whatever that thing is, can you trust me that I'm going to reveal myself and unveil myself in a supernatural way where your flesh cannot do it? When your, end of the, your, your flesh comes to the end of itself, my spirit begins to move when the, the, the moment you become a place where you realize your best human effort is not going to do it, that's exactly at that yielding place, God begins to do something supernatural. But the moment you're striving with your humanity, with his supernatural power, he, it, it, it strives together and they're in enmity because the carnality of a man is always going to be an enmity with the Spirit of God. Now, we're going to need to see supernatural power from a church and a body that's supposed to have the supernatural power. What separates us only from all the other programming worlds, uh, places in the, in the country and the world, is the power of God. That's the only thing that separates us. They're as smart or smarter. They have more resources. They have more money. They have more people. They have more PR and media time. They have it all here. They're a machine. They, 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 they know how to maneuver through the systems of this world. Now, we're not saying that we can't be a part of that because many of us work in those environments. The problem is, though, is when you come over here and you become a part of this, absent of supernatural power working in your life, and the recognition of his unveiling and revealing himself to us, when our leaning is more on his power than our own might, when we become, we become conformed to the world, and the devil and the world will allow us to, to work ourselves silly, managing the systems that do not provide help for people. It only provides a sustaining and dysfun of, of, of dysfunction in the lives of people. So we see a little bit of success and a little bit of failure. A little bit of success and a little bit of failure. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Abram was called to go out, move forward. Let me show you where I'm taking you. I'm just calling us out today. We've got to come out to a place. And rather than try to, 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 to manage people's lives in their own work, and their own mess, and, and we've got to come to a place when we start looking for him by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit. And when we come on the scene, we're going to be bringing solutions that are from heaven, not just a glorified, intelligent one from earth. Five thousand people died in 2015 of cancer. Five thousand people died of heart disease in 2015. Twenty-five hundred people of pulmonary. And 2,000, just under 2,000, that are accidental death. And it goes on down from there. 
I want to know where the church is. Do we get in line for more grants? Do we start opening up chapters of American Cancer Society and American Heart Association? We do all of that. But if your first line of offense is that, it ought to be a part of our life because they're doing wonderful work. I, I, I belong to some of those. But I'm telling you, the minute I defer as that being my first line of offense, I have just diminished the power of the Holy Spirit that resurrected me, me from my grave and Jesus from his. And I'm telling you, a church that doesn't have any power is a defeated church. Is your first line of defense or offense when you encounter something like that? You don't have to answer this out loud. Just check yourself. Is it to pray and combat that thing? Or is it to counsel it and talk to it and around it. If you hit your knee down here, your knee go, hit your knee right underneath your kneecap, your leg goes out. If you encounter somebody with sickness, disease, dysfunction, is the reflection authority in prayer? Or is it, do I look for what programs are available for immediate help? Back here, Abram, is security. Out here, what if God don't heal him? Or what if, what, what if, man, what if they overdose? Well, if they get drunk and start driving down the highway and hurt somebody, you're, you're praying. And I'm not talking about pinging heaven to get God to do something. That takes it off of us. If you're going to ping heaven and get God to do something, you might as well stay back in here and be secure because you just moved your security line out here and put God in the box. No, it's you. Now, if you are baptized in the Spirit and you are full of God and you are in your heart born again, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And you have the, you have the fullness of the Creator right here. The same one that opened up that womb of Sarah is the same force that lives inside of you. But if your reliance is more on your own understanding than the supernatural power of the one that opened up Sarah's womb, your faith is more in you than it is in him. If I gave everybody in here a 32, you put it in your pocket, and I'm going to send you out into this crime-infested community world that we live in, you're going to have this gun in your pocket, you're going to be packing, you're going to walk out here, and I promise you the first time you run into an encounter that is dangerous and life-threatening, you're going to pull the gun. Am I right? Then why is it that you're carrying something that's more potent and powerful than any gun and artillery that you have in your pocket, 
And the last thing we pull out is it. And then, if I gave it all, everybody gone, and, 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 and you got your tails whipped, and you come running back here, and you come back to me, and you said, oh my God, it's dangerous out there. This is horrible. What happened? I said, you're bleeding. Yeah, this is rough. They're dangerous. It's crazy. Did you pull the gun? No, no, I didn't, didn't pull the gun. I didn't want to pull the gun out there. But you're bleeding. I bet you didn't, didn't pull, I didn't pull the gun. You know what I want to say to you? I gave you that, and you're not going to use it? I put that in your pocket, and you're not going to use it? Now take it a step further, and I'm ready to close. What if you walked out there not with the position that looks around and says, uh-oh, I'm going I'm to defend myself. You walked out there with the position knowing good and well you have what it takes to put it in order. With the confidence going, yeah, things are going to change. This is, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is going to be different. I'm drawing a line in the sand today. And we've got to decide which side of the sand we're going to be on. We can stay back here in our security, feel good about what we're doing, let somebody else create your security, or we can step out here where God says to step out and go after a city that you have no idea what it looks like until you get there. And along the way, he unveils and reveals himself to us in supernatural ways that gives us a confidence that says, oh my God, he can do that. My flesh is limited, but his power is unlimited. And all of a sudden now, confidence starts building up inside of you. And then you start dealing, you start, you start treating cancer like you treat alcoholism. You start dealing with heart disease like you deal with a rebellious kid. Why, what, what are you talking about? The Holy Spirit is the spirit that puts it in order. Anything that's out of order or disorder. Anything that's dysfunction, he brings it into function. And you are carrying the, the one that created all the order in Genesis chapter 1. It's inside of us. So the line is here. I want to know how many people you're going to pray for this week. And I'm not talking about sloughing it off on God. I'm talking about when you come face to face with the tumor or you come face to face with the, the blood disease or you come face to face with a broken arm or you come face to face with whatever it is. I want to know is your confidence in his supernatural power to heal them. More so in your ability to reason it out, justify why it never works. I'm not saying we're going to win them all. I don't know how that all works. But somewhere along the line, we got to kind of cross the line here, the threshold. You come in contact with somebody that's an addiction, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're not. You, you, you relate to it, but you're not. Can you not supernaturally, by the power of God, free that person? No, you don't understand. Man, you don't understand. It's, it's not that easy. It's not that. 
Man, here's a 90-year-old, 100-year-old woman that can't have kids and she gets pregnant. You want to tell me that that can't happen? Here's a man that's dead and wrapped up in grave clothes, stone over the grave, and Jesus looks at him and says, Lazarus, come forth, and the stone was rolled away. The man walks out, and he's alive. And you want to tell me your, your biggest challenge that we face is bigger than those? And the same Christ that lives in them, lived that day, lives in us. We're going somewhere. We just are. And we're going to a place of maturity. Where the things of life that have stared us down, that caused us to wither and faint, are going to get stared down themselves by the supernatural power of God that dwells inside of us. And those things begin to wither and faint. Some of you are going to be called to be a part of organizations and social organizations. I have been. I've been called even this week to come be a part of some of those things I was even talking about earlier. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I, I think it brings value. But the moment I become a part of the system that can manage the funds that come from the government just to keep the problem intact or maybe to cause it to diminish a little bit, I'm a part of the problem. I'm going to join them to show them that there's a better way. Yes, we'll do this as we go. The, the tide is turning. The decade before, divorce rate was going through the roof. It just was. It's not going through the roof now. Justify it however you want to, but it's not. If we step in our place as body of Christ, as believers, supernatural beings living this natural life, we'll see, the, we'll see cancer deaths decrease and heart disease to decrease, pulmonary disease decrease and deaths and accidental deaths decrease. We'll see it in our lifetime if we'll I had a vision and I'll end with this I'm not even going to read Isaiah 54 I had a vision that there were I, don't, I wasn't in Huntington. It was in a different city, but it was a city that reminded me of Huntington. It was all kinds of problems that were happening. There were people dying. There was just chaos everywhere. And it just seemed like it was just full of despair, desolate. It was just, it was just bad. And I saw everybody running out just as, as frantically as they could, just trying to help as much as they could help. And everybody was just doing, they were, people bleeding, they were putting tourniquets on. And I, I was just watching it, and people running everywhere. And I, 
and, and I don't know why, but I was able to see it from a high hill that I was standing on, and I was standing on it, like, watch, overwatching over all of it. I was able to see everything at one time. I saw people putting needles in their arms. I saw people over here taking chemo and radiation. I saw all that. I, all this stuff was happening. And I saw people just, EMS is running everywhere, way, cops going everywhere, just, just, just frantic. Everybody was doing all they could do. All of a sudden, I heard this thunder. And I'm real high, so I heard it. Nobody could hear it down there, but I heard this thunder. And as I heard the thunder, I saw this, it was a blue sky. And right in the, the, it was a gray sky before, but the blue sky came over. And when it did, there was just this parting of the sky and this, like, looked like Niagara Falls. Just a deluge, a downpour of water on every, everything, everybody. People that were running to help and rescue were just going to the ground because the water was coming down so fast. Here they were. And, and finally, every single person, every person, people ministering to them, people needing the ministry, people that were sick and people that were giving them service, all the, everybody stopped and looked up because it was coming down so hard. I wasn't wet. I was watching this. I looked up and I said, what in the world am I seeing, God? And God said, when I pour out my spirit in the moment, all eyes and all attention come on my spirit. But when there's no spirit poured out, everybody's doing their own thing. They're frantic trying to just, just stop the best they can the bleeding that's happening in the community. He said, watch this. And he pours out this I mean, it's just like a Niagara Falls, and it covers everybody. And everybody's down, soaking, sopping wet. And they're stopping and looking at this rain, trying to cover themselves. Nobody's running for cover. It's happening too quick. And all of a sudden, the Lord pulls back that Niagara Falls, and it becomes this little steady stream. And people, now they got a little bit of, you know, strength to get up, and they're soaking wet. And all of a sudden, the man that was giving radiation to this chemo, and it's this cancer patient. Cancer patient's just drenched, and the man just picks him up. And the cancer patient gets up, and he's looking, and the stream's still coming, but it's not the deludes and downpours, it's a steady stream. And he's looking around, and he's, he's healed. And the heart, heart disease, the guy that was there, the tourniquet and all this, and all of a sudden he gets up, and there's, it's not bleeding anymore. There's no tourniquet needed. And he's standing up and he's going like this. And then people that were needles in their arm put the needles out. And I saw this young girl. I think she's about 18 or 19. She goes and runs over and she grabs her little girl. And she picks it up and she said, Mom, Mommy's home. And hugs her little girl. She's sober. She's clean. There's no detox. There's no program. It's, it's just Something happened, and I'm witnessing this, and I'm starting to cry, and I'm watching the Lord as he's pouring this thing out. And I said, God, what is that? He said, it's my power. It's my power. It's my spirit. You don't know how bad I want to pour out my spirit on all those hurting people. He said, I've got no pleasure in all of that. I said, God, what do, what do I do? He said this. He said, take this. And he puts this something in my hand. I already know what it was. I got something in my hand. He said, now, now pour it. And it's still, still, still a steady stream, but not a daily. I, what? I said, God, it's light. I don't feel like I have anything in my hands. He says, 
you got it, I just gave it to you. And I looked over the hill and I did this with whatever I had in my hands. And when I did, a deluge of downpouring started happening all over those people again. Listen, what I saw happen was people that were living on the outside of those cities that weren't a part of that deluge are now running to get underneath the deluge of the power of the reign of the Spirit of God. No more was it just breaking them down and scaring them. They saw it as a solution to the life problems that they were having. People on top of people, people on, there was no room for people to move. And the Lord says, don't just pour it in one place. Pour it out, spread it out. And everywhere I'd pull my hand and push my hand, the downpour would come. He said, I put that in my people's hands. Why won't they use it? He said, Kevin, tell them they have all they need to stop the bleeding. They have all they need to reduce those statistics. They have all they need. Tell them to rely on the Spirit more than they're relying on their natural programming and the natural flesh. Tell them they have it. Rely on it. I said, God, that's what I said. I said, God, but we've got enough experience where it didn't work. He said, it has to work or I'm a liar. I said, God, you're not a liar. He said, it has to work. I just need them to have more confidence in my spirit than they have in themselves. Stand to your feet. I just want to know who's with me. I just need a couple. Who's willing to walk out here in spirit, praying for people, recognizing that the power of God is all in your hands? Father, in Jesus' name, I, re I repent to you for not giving you the time as we gather together to heal and to save your people. And from this day forward, God, every time we have a service of gathering, there will be a portion of time where the deluge can be poured out from your people to the people that are sick and hurting. Forgive us, God, for trying to perfect our imperfection. relying on our own talents and our own abilities, our smarts, our natural human wisdom. Now we are people here today, God, that has gathered and I've done what you said to do. I've told them that they're carrying the deluge and the downpouring of your spirit, the answer to every life's problem. So Father, as we leave this place here today, I'm asking you to give a quick reminder, moment by moment, to every person that's heard this word tonight, of what they're carrying, 
who they're carrying and what they're to do with what they're carrying. Open up those moments, Lord, that allow us to be able to just give you to those people that are hurting. Help us to see the statistics turn, not because of we just see, do better in our programming, but there's supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that's working through every program we have. And Father, I honor you and I bless you for allowing us to be alive today in 2017 when many of us have taken paths that have taken us far away from where we thought we should be. For whatever reason, Lord, you've allowed our paths to come back around to be right where we need to be. So I honor you and I thank you for being the special father in our house today. You are a good, good father. You're an honorable father. You're a faithful father. And God, you'd look out for your children. You wish no harm on your kids because you see good plans ahead for us. So we receive your plans and we receive your benefits and we receive our inheritance from our heavenly father. We thank you and we bless you. And Papa, happy Father's Day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. What is it that you're called to be? Too often we think only people called into ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, you're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scragg, and I am Expression.